the Warriors Life podcast and Fonzie Talks Warriors podcast 2022, uh, episode 23. Fonzie, uh, it's been a few weeks off, mate, a few false starts, a few uh, few podcasts that didn't go ahead, but good to see you back, mate. Good, good to see your smiling face. How are you? I'm well, Will. Doing really well. Uh, yeah, it's been a couple of weeks where we, we missed a week last week, so apologies to everyone for that, but it wasn't deliberate. We had a uh, very well thought out episode that we were going to record last Wednesday, but um, between illness and work, things didn't quite pan out. Um, so you'll probably get a double dose of episodes at some point between now and the end of the season as we start dropping some of those features. But yeah, man, otherwise I'm, I'm doing really well. I'm uh, sort of kicking back here in Sydney and we're having our first really nice day sort of since winter hit it's nice and warm it's it's almost almost like a spring day here so yeah mood's good man mood's good yeah same here to, uh, yesterday and today very spring-like conditions in canterbury been loving it shorts and a t-shirt only just keeping the fire embering away um yeah some uh, and heading over to aussie later this week so may that uh weather continue over there I hope so, mate. I hope we can turn it on a bit for you. You get here, you get to Sydney on Sunday, don't you? I sure do. Um, looking forward to see you in the flesh. Um, have we actually, I've, I know I've broached it with Brad in previous episodes. Are we going for the just the the solid handshake, the handshake leading into the one arm tug, or or the two arm tug? Just go straight for that. What, what would you prefer? Just do whatever you want as long as my wife doesn't wouldn't <laughs> object. You, you're right to, to, to go as go as hard as you like, um, and yeah, no, we're, we're um, you're staying in sort of the east of Sydney because you're going to be doing some work in and around NRL HQ. So um, there's a few good pubs out that way. Yeah, mate. Well, uh, we've already organised to, to have a few of those on Sunday afternoon. If there's any uh, of you listeners out there uh, that might be keen to join us for a beer, we've been in touch with a couple already, but uh, yeah, if you want to come and have a drink, um, drop us a DM and we'll uh, let you know the details. Yeah, at this stage it looks like we're going to be, uh, well, you know, because Will's only, have you ever been to Sydney, Will? Uh, yeah, a couple of times, but haven't really explored too much. Yeah, and, and we don't we we're just we're going to be walking, so I think we might do a bit of a circuit around the Surrey Hills area, possibly starting um, at the local tap house hotel. So from about five five o'clock on Sunday, Arvo. But yeah, drop us a DM if you do want to come, um, and um, and we'll we'll keep you in the loop if you if you've done that. Um, I do want to stress as well. Um, it's Will and I are just you know not all that interesting so like if if you basically imagine this podcast except we don't actually have to say anything because there's not microphones and recording and we're probably two or three beers deeper than we normally are that's basically what you're going to get so um don't come along with high expectations but you know by all means man we'd, we'd love to have a beer with you guys and obviously the big carrot is uh getting the privilege of something only um brad me and Simon Mannering have had the privilege of, and that's in Fonzie's face. Well, that's the interesting thing, right? Because how will you even know if it's me? Like, I could just send any bloke out there. We'll play along. Uh, yeah, that's true, but no one could mistake that voice <laughs> when you start talking, mate. Uh, but, no. yeah, get in touch. Looking forward to it, and, yeah, looking forward to a few beers as well. And no, it'd be good. It'd be, it'd be good. If you're keen enough to come and join us for a beer, you you know, you're, you're a mate, not a um, not a sort of – anonymous um listener sort of thing so yeah come out and have a beer and uh be be a good evening so the warriors will beers are good but we do have to move to the warriors where, where are we at are we are we are we what's the overall feeling at the moment are you re-energized by stacy the homecoming all these things or are you sort of slipped back into that kind of apathetic state you were in pre the brown sacking yeah the, uh, a bit of a malaise mate just certainly there's none of that angst that uh that was around during the middle of the season but you know we've got our new coach some new signings and that sort of thing no chance of finals we've lost a few on the trot again put up a decent fight in each of those i thought but 
you know, a lot of the same problems are still hovering around, particularly in attack. Um, and yeah, yeah, to be honest, just five games to go, kind of looking forward to the end of the season, to be brutally honest. Yeah, I'm a bit the same, mate. I mean, like it's better than before Brown left because you knew we were on the wrong path then. Yeah. And now that's we sort of clean clean the slate a bit, wipe the slate clean a bit, and now we're um, moving onto a different path. But we're kind of in purgatory at the moment, aren't we? Where we can't do anything this year. Um, the coach isn't even there, so the way we play this year doesn't necessarily look like how we're going to play next next year. Selections. Um, are going to be different. The roster might change more than we think. So for all those reasons, it's a little bit of purgatory where I feel like I'm supporting the team because I just like footy and I love the team, um, but I don't have that sort of keen interest or, you know, that sort of critical, you know, um, attitude when I'm watching them at the moment. I'm all just sort of chilling and watching the footy. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like when they've had... Uh had a decent run in these recent games and built some leads and that sort of thing. I've got pretty pumped up, but you know, obviously not as much riding on it and it's easy to let go of the losses at the moment. Uh, but I'd much prefer to be all pumped up and riding the roller coaster of emotions um, at full throttle. So looking forward to next season already. But um, yeah, any takeouts from that storm game that you wanted to go on? I, first of all, the, the big one, and I, I usually so measured on Twitter, Fonzie, but you got pretty fired up about the uh, non-punishment for Nelson Sofa Solomona. Yeah, I just thought that was one of the shittest calls ever. I, I couldn't believe how bad it was. I, was I like Wade Egan, um, so, you know, there's a bit of that. He's one of my favourite players, but um wouldn't have mattered who it was. That was really bad, and... I, you know, like I got, I got two kids. I got a, you know, two kids under five, right? Um, that's not footy. I'm not cool with them playing footy where that gets waved through. Like seriously, I'm, I'm not cool with that. You know, like hit them as hard under the ribs as you want. You know, but that's not cool. He was immobilized by the other tackler, and Nelson. I'm not going to say it was deliberate, but you know, Nelson literally put an elbow into his face broke his teeth like that's that's not footy there's no skill in that there's no there's no toughness in that it's cheap like so i just don't know what value of rugby league that's enhancing or displaying and so i don't understand why you wouldn't rub that out i just cannot understand it yeah it's it's one of the most astounding calls of, of recent years i think and it's been on the same weekend i think that they did a really good job of like they there was always the potential for them to bottle the Nathan Brown suspension and the Patrick Carrigan one, but they came down hard. I thought both were really solid, fair punishments. But to let that go through to the keeper yeah. and and Luke Patton's ham fisted explanation of it, um, just phenomenal that, you know, you could get away with that given you know, like what did, what has to happen? If he'd broken his jaw, would it have been a punishment? Uh, surely. Um, but that shouldn't matter, should it really? I mean, it's... No, it shouldn't. But, I mean, you know, what's, what's it going to take for something like that to get stamped out? And I, I honestly think we would have seen similar incidents punished previously, which is the confusing thing. It's pretty blatant. Yeah, I mean, it's – and, you know, you say I was angry on Twitter. I mean, what I said was – NRL, if you guys keep letting this sort of rubbish through to the keeper, you're going to get sued by someone. And I believe that. Um, mm. And, you know, I've got some um, relevant experience to help me <laughs> make that comment. Um, and I, I just I look at that and say, like, that ended up penalty sufficient, right? Mm. So we're saying that the guy who is inside 10 metres by a metre and the guy who does that and breaks Wade Egan's teeth are equivalent in the rules of our game. That's batshit crazy. That's just batshit crazy, right? Like that's not that's not how you look after your players and have a duty of care to your players. And at some point, if if you could draw a line through enough of those incidents, um, you know, I'm sure there's a lawyer out there who could say that this is not actually a proper um, exercising proper duty of care and taking reasonable steps to avoid head injuries to players. It's not in the rules. Like, no one signs up for that. That's not what we sign up for to play rugby league. You sign up to get hurt by all means, right? But you don't sign up for 
that kind of cheap shot to be ignored by the administration so that the precedent that's been set now is that that is penalty sufficient like yeah i mean what world are we living in it doesn't make sense yeah it was pretty confronting and you know the there's several elements to it, obviously, and getting his teeth broken, but also, you know, having your head sam sandwiched in between the ground and a 120 kg front rower, um, you know, at the same time is it's, it's just phenomenal. Um, yeah, absolute bludger call of the year. But moving moving aside from that, and you know, I mean, Nelson's a player who you know, you know, a lot of ways I like as well. Um, he he went out there to do a job, and that job was to get on top through our middles. Like he's obviously had the right read to him by Bellamy. You know we're in a hole. We've lost four in a row. We need to win this. You need to step up, Nelson. This is your, you know, this you're one of the senior players. You got to step up and do this. And he's come out and done it. And I, you know, I like I kind of respect that overall role that he played because aside from that, and and part of you know the cheap shots were part of it. Um, he did. I think get our pack on the back foot early, you know, and and that um, sort of set the tone for the game. Like it, it, and sort of more broadly, when I looked at that game and reflected on it, and tried to think about where we lost it. I mean, there was a bit of we couldn't convert good ball into points well enough, um, but overall, I just don't think our ball carriers are as damaging as theirs. Like across the park, you know, whether it's yardage whether it's middle whether it's um strike on the edges our ball carriers overall were just a little bit less damaging and if you go and look at the stats you see sort of meters per carry bears that out post contact meters those, those sorts of stats sort of indicate that but it was it, like i said it was more that when some of their players were carrying we we looked a bit apprehensive about it and they they always seem like they kind of had the measure of our carries i don't know what you sort of think about that yeah, just like as as we talked about, our uh, probably being paying as close attention to this as other games uh, when it was more at stake. But I thought, yeah, Adam Fanua Blake seemed a lot less prominent, probably the least he has all all year. Just sort of seemed like a run of the mill front rower, to be honest. Uh, you know, just at a at a glance, um, and there wasn't too many others. I thought Bunty went okay, and and obviously Tohu uh, trucked it up pretty well but he's you know he's not a, a damaging ball runner uh so he's a he's a worker um and yeah there wasn't much of a threat from our our ball runners and our sort of back five are pretty small as well uh, besides uh big ed cossey who had a career night Patrick yeah. for the young fella good on him yeah when when i made that call a few weeks ago that i thought he was about to break out it was off the back of um, his cup form and some posters on NZ Warriors forum who uh, I know watch cup close and they were saying, look, this guy's, so it wasn't, it just wasn't all me. It was, the, you know, it was these guys um, saying this guy's actually come along a long, come a long way. Um, and also that whole right side versus left side, but he did this on the left side, which is the same side where he had the shocker against Melbourne and against the Dragons. Um, and look, there's still a shocker in there with Ed. Yeah. But you're starting, you're starting, and we've always said, look, where's the upside in him? And there's a big downside, you know. You're starting to see a way you can use Ed for the upside. So his um, his yardage is like his his um, total run meters was the best of our back five. I think only Tohu exceeded him in the whole side. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. And um, so that's straight away very valuable. But also, you can see that. You know, you, you, if you put him one-on-one -on -one where he can get a, a few drives into his legs, he can crash over and score. So um, you can you can use him um, sort of when you when you don't quite have them stripped, but you've got enough momentum to get a one-on-one. -on -one, he can finish. He can do that. So there's a there's a an increasing um, upside to Ed Cossey that's being revealed, and I think um, I think what do we do over under on how many games he play next year? Was it was it ten or twenty or something? I think it was career games, and I set it at about thirty. So yeah, uh, yeah, no, it's certainly on our current roster until we start, you know, signing or developing decent outside backs. He's uh, certainly got a place in the mix there. But what I really impressed me, I guess, was um, the way he timed his runs because it, it it wasn't just sort of simple draw and pass. There was a couple yeah. of 
looping balls and he timed his run perfectly and, and finished it, you know, as well as he could. Um, you'd be disappointed if he didn't convert any of those three. But, uh, yeah, did did the job well and, as you said, racked up plenty of metres. No, uh, no mistakes. Um, yeah, good on him. It's a good knock for a you know player who on the salary cap is going to be cheap, and and it's interesting too. Like so, Montoya, I, I agree to what you said about he was setting deep because Montoya probably has a little bit of a issue around that sometimes, and and I think our backs generally have never quite got their positioning right. But he was definitely sitting deep, and so you had Egan and SJ um, hitting him with a sort of rainbow pass over the top, and he was right there, which was good. Um, what did you think? I mean, do you think Montoya to centre was um, because they thought Olam was going to be too much trouble for Arthur's like he was in the last game, so they wanted a bigger body, better defensive player there? Or, I mean, is, well, is Arthur was, was out injured, wasn't he? Wasn't is a, he injured? Is that the yeah, – is that, okay. Yeah, he did get injured in the Canberra game. Um, so I, I think Arthur's probably keeps his spot. Otherwise, when he comes back, so and because well, not necessarily, but but for you know they wouldn't have dropped him after that Raiders game. Um, yeah, yeah, and Valea's I think just back or back at cup level. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's interesting. There's I mean, it's, there's going to be a school of thought that says Cossie, you know, deserves another crack at you know even in a fully fit team, another crack at wing. Yeah, well, you'd say that he deserves his spot. More than say Adam Pompey, who's who has been dropped this week, um, you know it's, it's worth persevering with him, giving him more experience in these sort of I guess garbage time games with nothing at stake, um, getting him used to this level, um, rather than you know trotting out players that you don't think are going to or haven't been performing in the back line. Now, when you can bring in, when you can put Marcelo in the centre, I thought he went really well there. Um, yeah. What about Pompey on that first try? Seriously, just yeah. uh, that was the one where Olin went between SJ and and Pompey, uh, and I'm pretty sure, like 99 percent sure, that was Pompey's man. Like he had to be in there in front of Olin, and he just kind of stuck a left arm out. There's a bit of, I mean, we keep switching players left and right and this and that, so there's a bit of an out because of all of that. But yeah, Pompey's stocks are not really higher than at the start of the year, and and we weren't too high on him then, were we? No, well, he was. Dropped initially for the homecoming game. Um, yeah. In a bit of a late reshuffle, he, he got a reprieve and has been in the side for a few weeks. But, yeah, Stacey's swung the axe. He's listed in the reserves this week with you and Aitken playing his first game in more than a year in the centres. So I guess that shows you you know, where the Warriors' current coaching staff's head is at. And I can't imagine Andrew Webster is you know going to think too much different. So if... if Pompey can't get any decent game time before the end of the year. Very interesting off season and um, and 2023 coming up for him. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And what about Wado at six? Yeah, well, he went fantastic. I mean, natural ball play, beautiful ball for one of Cossie's tries. I think it's the second one. Um, yeah, and, and created a fair bit of space. I thought a few opportunities given he was, you know, unexpectedly thrown in there and named at six this week. What do you make of that? It's funny, eh? Like, so you could you could literally see Wade going, "Oh, okay, gee, I'm six now. All right, I'm just going to run outside lines and draw and pass at the line, and that's that's how I'm going to do this six roll. Pretty simple." And all of a sudden, it was like we, you know, like it was it was amazing the impact his very very simple play had. Yeah, and it's kind of like how how are we not doing this all the time? Like it's yeah. it's just some really. Um, Footy, it's footy smarts reduced to the level of instinct where in game he just kind of knows that's how you've got to play, if you know what I mean. Like it's not – he wouldn't have sat there and worked that out. It happened on the spur of the moment. But he sort of instinctively just started doing it and suddenly created a pretty good shape. And, um, you know, if he trains in that position this week, they'll be able to refine that a little bit and so on. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, like, you know, I'm a big Wade Egan fan and um, I'm – interested to see him go at six he'll make less tackles he'll um it's almost like a holiday for him playing six yeah. in in this team and it gives us an opportunity to give Otokolo a run at nine with Freddie Lussick so those two can share the nine jersey and and have a look at it I, I mean I can't see any world where Egan is our 
number one six next year. Like I, I just don't see that. But um, you know, it's a it's a good experiment, and there's you know, it's another one of these sort of experiments where if you said to me beforehand, "Is this going to work?" I'd have said no. Mm. But it it sort of is looked better than I would have expected. So um, yeah, I think it gives Webby another look at players and. I suppose that segues nicely into the Ted Murray Martin signing because he's an option at six, and so we can talk about where we see the sixes stacking up. Yeah, well, aren't we um, absolutely stacked for um, contracted halves next year? It's quite remarkable. Um, obviously, he's been playing fullback for the Broncos, so he's an option there, even though Chandler Clockstead is is coming. Um, yeah, I'm not sure where, where Webster's head will be at uh, with with that little puzzle right now, and and how much he you know potentially could change over the summer or through trials or um, yeah. I, but all in all, I think it's a great signing. He's he's been very good and a good Broncos team, Martin. After you know a few years out of the NRL, come back from a very serious health condition, by the way. Uh, yeah. And only see him getting better. Plenty, plenty of experience, but plenty of years left as well. Yeah, I chucked on Twitter because um, we had heard that Temare Maran was going to be signed up a couple of weeks ago, but then it sort of took a while to get over the line. Bit of wrangling and haggling, I think. And at the time, I think I Walsh had just left, so I threw up on Twitter and said, "Okay, so if we lose Walsh and we get uh, Chance and Temare Maran, you know, what do we think about that?" sort of trade and most people were like yeah I'll, I'll take that that's pretty good you know it gives yeah. us um a, a bit more versatility across the spine and so i mean if you look at it we've lost cody nicarima we've lost walsh we've lost ash taylor and we've lost chanel right yeah. so uh that's four members of the spine who are ones and sixes who we've lost and we've brought in chance and Temaru Martin, um, we brought in anyone else and I'm having a mental blank who can cover. Oh, Metcalf, right? So we've Metcalf. got Metcalf and Volkman, Volkman right? So, and Volkman's here now and is part of that. So we've, if you look at the, that swap, I'm pretty happy overall with that. Like I think there's um, – we've lost a bit, we've gained a bit, and I think there's more overall upside in what we've gained than what we've lost. So um, I think we go in, yeah, like you said, with a reasonable um, depth in the spine – I'm not sure they're the right pieces, though, that are going to sort of push you to the eight, if you know what I mean. Like the young guys are too young and Charles and Tim Martin, I'm not sure, you know, sort of quite that level of strike as the senior guys. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's no absolute slam dunk. Like, I mean, they could all have great seasons individually. There's and there's a lot of potential there in the young guys and there's, there's still plenty of ability in the likes of Charles and uh, Tomato as well. But... No obvious slam dunk like blue chip signings. Um, yeah, obviously we've still got Sean Johnson in the mix. Dylan Walker's coming too next year, so you know automatically the three quarter line looks a little bit stronger too. Um, Just on yeah. Sean, yeah. So two questions: Should he play on next year, and will he? Um, I I want him to, but more probably for the. So he goes out on the right note. I still see a Benji-type finish in a good team um, for him. Uh, I think, you know, this this year he's obviously come back. Uh, hasn't been a great year for him. I think the team he's been playing in has been pretty atrocious and, that, and he just hasn't dealt with that very well. Um, yeah, I'd like to see it, you know, for him to get a crack under Webster. Um, might rejuvenate him. He's played... He's, Played in a team where Webster's been on the staff before. For me, it's not that far removed from, you know, 2020 when he was top five in the Dally M and led the NRL in, in Triasis. I still think that's there. And uh, with a better style and a better coach, we can he, he can unlock, you know, what he still does have because I think there's still plenty to offer there as far as guiding the team around, forcing repeat sets, laying on tries when you've got, you know, decent players outside you in good shape. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. I think like he's he's not the player he was. We all know that. Um, 
you and I did a reasonably detailed look at one of his games a few weeks ago where we sort of stepped through what he's bringing and whether he's doing a certain job well and decided that he was. Um, I mean, I, I don't want to see Metcalf and Volkman pitchforked in there and having to play along, you know, for example, imagine if that was your halves, right? That's a very inexperienced halves pairing. You don't do that to young halves. You've got to blood one with an experienced one and let them get that combination. And Timoto Martin hasn't played any halves, really, um, in years because he had that layoff and then has mainly played and trained at fullback yeah. for the Bronx. So um, I hope... Sean stays and we pair one of the young guys with him. That's what I'd like to see because if those young guys are our future when Sean retires, then if we can sort of get 20, 25 games under the belt of one of those young guys rolling into 24 and Sean steps down or stays on playing that Benji role, like you said, even, um, I don't think that will happen, but say, then I think that sets us up better for 2024 than Sean leaving now and us having to make do with the young guys and, and and the others. So I really hope he stays and plays. I think him being back in New Zealand will help with his family. Um, I think Brownie and Sean weren't getting on too well, so that issue is removed. Um, I mean, who knows how Sean and Webby will get on, but hopefully it's good. And, yeah, I mean, I, I, think, I actually think he's a very important piece for us next year. And let, let's be real, like next year is about setting up for 2024, I think. Yeah. Yes, yeah, we're not a top four contender next year by any stretch, I wouldn't think. So the the more experienced guys you've got in there is going to be pretty important. You know, guys with a big voice, um, guys that can handle the media side of things. You know, we're still lacking that a bit, particularly if you take Sean out of the equation. Yeah. Um, you know, there might be a bit of chat around about uh, Sean getting along with members of the squad and we're seeing, you know, quite a few little blow-ups on the field and that sort of thing. So obviously the what the energy's like in the in the squad um, may be another factor on both yeah. sides. But, yeah, I think overall if everyone can uh, patch it up and get along, and I think we can still see plenty of value out of him, bearing in mind also that we're only, he's only taken up $400,000 of the salary cap. Yep. Yeah, he's good value. He's good value. Um one other thing, just as I look at this weekend, uh, last weekend, this weekend, and reflect on next year, man, how many 13s have we got in this club? Seriously, we've got no props and a whole bunch of 13s. So, <laughs> like, because um, I was watching Tohu closely on the weekends, and I was um, hesitant to view Tohu as a 13 into next year, earlier this year, because I wasn't sure how he'd come back from the ACL. I thought he'd come back slower, um, getting older, probably getting heavier, so he was more likely to move to prop, and he's been playing prop. But watching his ball work and um, the, the fact that he likes to play 80 minutes, I, I actually think that Tohu's best position is 13. It's not prop. Yeah. In, our, in our squad, it's prop, but if you were picking an international team, I'd probably look at, be looking at him as a 13, you know, if we, yeah. if we had other props. And then, you know, you look at who we've signed and who we've got. So Curran, um, some would say he's best at 13. I'm happy to play him at an edge, but some would say he's best at 13. Jazz is clearly a 13. Oh, yeah. um, Barnett, I would probably say he's a 13, but some might say he's an edge. But, you know, like he's – you know. So and then you've got um, – who am I missing? I'm missing one or two. Uh, we've got Aaron Pena as, as our 13. Right. List. Yeah, so there's another one. So we've got all these 13s. No props. Um, potentially. So I'm not really sure. I'm not like if, if I'm designing Tohu's ideal role right now, it's um, you're 13 in defence. Well, you're 13, um, do your defensive work. But in attack, I don't want you to take any yardage carries. I just want you to take um, like middle shape or like the link role to the edge. So that Isaiah Yo um, type yeah. role, that's what I'd be designing for him. Um, but then, yeah, like if he's playing 80 in the middle, then what's Jazz doing? At 80 at 13, what's Jazz doing? What's, you know, all these other guys doing? It's there's one too many middles. And that's probably yeah. a, a bit of, you know, like we've heard Katoa might be on the way out. And, I, I mean, I think that's a bit of a travesty because he's someone we should be developing ourselves instead of giving to someone else to develop. But you can understand it from the perspective of how many of these back rowers do you want to have, you know? Yeah. 
Um, yes, it was almost out of necessity because um, Matt Lodge left mid-season and um, and Dinama Slowey came aboard, didn't really have much of an impact. Um, I was just it just came to me just then, but how many games, if any, did Matt Lodge and um, Tohu even play in the same team? I don't think there was any. I think Tohu was injured by the time he left and maybe and was gone by the time Tohu came back. Good question. So Tohu came she, back round 10 or 11, I think yeah, it was. Just looking at it now, Lodge's last game was that game that, that Tohu came back against. Uh, South Sydney, so Toru came off the bench and that was Lodge's last game before all hell broke loose, so yeah. Man, can you can you imagine that world? Like, let's, I don't want to open up the whole Lodge thing because I'll start crying again, but <laughs> um, fuck, but um, but I mean, you imagine Lodge's on-field effort with Fanua Blake and then Tohu at 13, right? We are still the team with the worst yardage um, meters per carry, I believe. I haven't updated my stats for a while, but last time I did, we were the worst in yardage um, adjusted for meters per carry in the comp. And, you know, if you just didn't play brownie ball of this tiny back five, right, and then you just had those three guys focused and um, taking, you know, tackles three, four off the back of good back five yardage, we would become one of the best yardage teams in the comp. And yeah. that then all of a sudden SJ's on getting front football, right? Mm. And Egan's jumping off the back of that. And the whole story is different. So, um, yeah, anyway, there's, <laughs> there's going to be a post-mortem of the year down the line and the names Brownie and Lodge will feature um, yeah, pretty sure. heavily. And it is the scenario of, of concern for you for next year because it's not really – you know, Barnett is obviously a, a decent signing, but we haven't got an out-and-out prop. It's a, massive, it's a massive problem because Afoa and Penne haven't either – neither of them have kicked on to the level I would have hoped. Penne hasn't kicked on at all. Um, I think he's had some injury okay. issues. Um, and Afoa hasn't stepped up as far as I would have thought. So we're not getting the growth out of that. And then we haven't signed anyone. We've lost Lodge. Um, and so I'm a bit of at a bit of a loss about how we're going to run out for high quality props next year. Yeah, a uh, bit concerned enough. There's much uh, movement on the cards. Uh, we may as well segue into the fact we've got a new general manager of recruitment as well as uh, what what's his other roles, uh, pathways and development. Kathy McFadden, welcome back. One of my personal favourites. Um, I'm excited about this on a probably more of a fan level without looking at it too deeply because I I like McFadden and I like him as a bloke and he's he's been here. I really thought he was unlucky as a head coach. Often yep. forgotten that he stuck around as an assistant coach and and uh, you know was part of that key part of that 2018 year and probably often overlooked that he was one of the key people that left along with Johnson and Mannering at the end of 2018 and it all sort of went downhill a bit and went to the Raiders and was part of a setup that went to a grand, an unexpected grand final. So I th- I like him. I think he's a good operator. New role, though, very, very new for him. Uh, um, yeah, you had a few thoughts on Twitter, which probably put thing, things in a bit more perspective. What's your, uh, what's your summary of Fadden coming back to the club? So the the way they defined the role left me a little bit confused because they said he was general manager, pathways, development, and recruitment, I think is what they said, um, which is on paper at least a little bit different to general manager football. So if you go to the Tigers, um, for example, you've got Tim Sheens, who's GM football operations. Yep. And so – the head coach is part of football operations. They've got very different roles, like when Brian Smith was there and Mooks was there, for example. Yeah. Um, so, like, I'm not sure whether this is GM football operations or whether they sort of carved it a bit narrower than that. It's not quite as heavy as that, if that makes sense. Um, but is it anyway. similar to Craig Hodges' role, do you think, how that was sort of set out? Well, yeah, I think it is, but I mean, I think Craig Hodges's role was, you know, slap together, do something or other. You know, I was sort of hoping we'd holistically look at look at the whole setup 
coming back next year. But so if, if I look at him and say he's really GM football, because what else is there um, aside from pathways development recruitment? Um, yep. You know, maybe a bit of you know actual sort of um, coaching and support staff. That's the bit that's not actually specifically in his role, if that makes sense. Like yep. this, but that's a heavy role, you know. Like, and if you look at what other clubs do, I mean, you tend to have people who are experienced head coaches um, or experienced football operations people in those roles. So Newcastle's just uh, brought Peter Parr down from the Cowboys, you know, um, to do that director of football type role. Um, You know, you look at Sheensy, who's basically a coach who's decided he doesn't want to do head coaching anymore, but he wants that sort of broader role and he's got the experience and the you know, understanding of all the different aspects of a footy club, and he's doing that there. Um, you can you can sort of look at across the NRL at a number of clubs like Gus at the Bulldogs, and, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. So um, we've gone and picked an assistant coach, not a head coach, yeah. to do that type of role at our club at the same time as we've gone and picked an assistant coach to be our head coach, right? So I look at those two things and I'm like, well, I've got nothing against either of those two guys. They might be awesome. They might be great natural leaders and all that. Um, and they've both done their time in and around footy clubs. But, um, you know, like look at what the Dolphins are doing. They've got Wayne Bennett yeah. and Christian Wolf, and Wayne Bennett's going to transition over to Christian Wolf in two years. I don't even know who their head of football is, but there's another guy outside of those two. Yeah, right, and, who, and Peter O'Sullivan as your yeah, recruitment. Recruitment, right? Recruitment. So, yeah. so you look at that team. And then you look at our team and we're massively inexperienced and, dare I say, underpowered, you know, compared to what they've got. So nothing against Cappy, but, like, if you said Cappy was coming back as head coach, I'd be like, oh, has he got the, you know, um, runs on the board for that? But, you know, I probably would have supported it. If you said Cappy's coming back as assistant, I'd be like, awesome, that's amazing, that's sensational to have him back in the club and stuff. But he's coming back to be GM, really, of football, you know, and so – I wish him all the best and I'll be su- supportive of, you know, him in the role. But um, we're definitely sort of doing the whole um, bargain basement, you know, get the grads and the cadets to, um, you know, <laughs> like step into the heavier roles because, you, you know, you, you just don't have the, the people there. So, yeah, that that's sort of my, my general take on it. Nothing personal, you know. but Yeah, that's an interesting one and it's, especially as far as the – like on the positive side, he's been here before, as Webster has. I, I like that side of it. Um, also, from just thinking about it without doing any sort of research or anything over the last day, Canberra, I think, have been one of the better clubs as far as recruiting and debuting players. I don't necessarily know about you know their pathways development, but at least bringing players through the grades and giving them a debut and them doing really well has been far superior to the Warriors, I'd say, over the few years that McFadden's been at Canberra. Yep. Probably going back a few years beyond that as well. Um, yeah, probably positive and negative that, that McFadden was the last Warriors head coach to really bring, um, you know, those gun under-20s players uh, into first grade. You know, they debuted, well, Harrell was obviously already in first grade, but Carter... Uh, guys like that, um, and you know, did get a fair bit of value out of some of those guys, even if they never kicked on to become real Warriors greats. But yeah, and then he was also there to see the um, dramatic decline of our under 20s team, where we actually finished last in the last NYC comp. Still gave us guys like Chanel, but you know, obviously, with something, something changed, something fell apart around this. But he'll obviously have a fairly in-depth knowledge, I would think, of, of what worked and what didn't then um, and the knowledge of the you know local scene and how the pathways worked then. And I don't know. I just think that the fact that he was here for six years um, is going to serve him fairly well in a, you know um, unfamiliar role. But, yeah, yeah, I take all your points. I definitely don't think it's a... A slam dunk uh, appointment, but I like Cappy, and yeah, I'd be, I'd be go as well, mate. I'll, I'll tell you this: if the West Tigers had appointed Penrith's second most highly regarded assistant as head coach, and then a Canberra assistant coach as head of football, 
the Sydney media would be in <laughs> melt, absolute meltdown mode. hundred uh, like, percent, yeah. Absolute meltdown mode right now. I'm not saying that makes it right, like makes yeah. it wrong. Um, the other interesting point around this was uh, Sammy Hewitt from Sands, a um, friend of the show. He sort of said I, I, on Twitter, um, as his sort of immediate reaction, I really think that this needs a, a Kiwi in the role because of the pathways element and all yep. the challenges and the politics. What do you think about that? Because I, I, I disagreed on Twitter, um, but obviously I'm not a Kiwi, right? So and I'm pretty fit, geographically removed from the local scene. So, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I, I don't necessarily, necessarily agree. I mean, we've had Kiwis in that sort of those sort of roles before and, you know, probably had uh, mixed success, I guess. Uh, so I don't necessarily think it's... it's, it's uh, 100% necessary, you know, best bloke for the job is the best bloke for the job. And I'm sure it's not going to be McFadden, you know, going out to <laughs> going out to the, the grounds and putting the cones out. He's going to have a, you know, a team of, of people under him and, and I'm assuming that'll be more people with finger on the pulse kind of thing. Um, yep. Yeah. At, at, and at the, the, you know, the, the smallest positive I can say is I think it's a decent upgrade. McFadden and Webster on Brown and Hodges. Yeah, agree. I'll, I'll give. You, I'll definitely support. Uh, support that. I mean, just on on the. I think we just need to when we're looking at this, keep in mind the difference between New Zealand pathways and Warriors high performance pathways. So, um, I'm hoping to do still do a, a pot or two on pathways before the season's out, and they're different things. The Warriors have their pathway, which is how. Um, a small number of people come into their high-performance system and go from being 14, 15-year-olds to first-grade NRL players Yeah. versus New Zealand Rugby League, which is trying to um, create the funnel that sends that small number of people into the Warriors' high-performance pathway, if you know what I mean. And the Warriors have an interest in the NZRL pathway um, and the uh, the NZRL have an interest in the Warriors high performance pathway because that feeds the Kiwis as well. So it's all linked up, but they're two different things. And McFadden isn't there to do New Zealand's pathways. He's there to do the Warriors high performance system pathways. Yeah, yeah. And and, uh, and most of that is going to be in Australia, right? So yeah, the, yeah. the the 19s, the 21s and the cup team are all almost certainly going to play in the New South Wales Cup. Okay. Yeah. So the truth of his pathways role at the Warriors is to get about 50 good 15-year-olds, get them into the Warriors in some way, and then send them over to play in Australian systems. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and in that respect, you know, it's probably even less uh, necessary that it is a, a Kiwi. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that, that was that sort, sort of one. Because it's more of an overseer type director sort of role, I guess. Um, yep. Yep. Yeah. And, and it's about spotting the right talent and developing it once they're in your system, if you know what yep. I mean. Um, and you can learn how to do that in Canberra or in England or in anywhere yep. um, and bring it to the Warriors. It's not about, you know, working out how to get the wire cutter under sixes to funnel in a nice, neat line to the, you know, to the Warriors. That's That's a different conversation, I think. Um, yeah, I, I just think McFadden's the whether this is the best role for him, maybe not, but I definitely think he's a great guy to have in your organization. A uh, lot of respect for him. Uh, talk to him a lot uh, for when I work for Big League and just very upfront, very one of the most considered and honest people I've interviewed before. And um, yeah, a lot of integrity, and, and I think probably still quite a soft spot for the club. and yeah, and obviously here for the right reasons, and know what he's what he's getting himself in for, you know, on and off the field, and living in Auckland and all that. So, yeah, welcome back. And uh, another appointment today. They just keep coming. Uh, an Englishman on board, Richard Agar. Um, what do you make of this one? Mate, I know nothing about this guy. Like, as in, I don't really follow the Super League. Um, I, but he's. I had a quick look at his sort of CV on Wiki or whatever. I mean, so I was talking before about the lack of experience between Webby and Cappy in their yep. respective roles. Well, now we've probably got a you know a very very highly experienced assistant for um, Webby. 
which I th- and uh, I think that helps. Like it's a smart play in that sense, sort of to bring that. Um, you know, like what is he? He's about fifty years old. He's had head coaching roles for a decade plus in Super League. So, yeah. I think that's that's a good way to try and balance that out a bit. So, well done to the club. But I have no particular um, understanding of him. Have you looked into him much or had much to sort of do with him over the years? Or no, not really. Um, I you know obviously knew the name from floating around just from paying a bit of attention to Super League, but don't have any strong opinions on him. For- He's got a decent record. Um, part of besides his head coaching experience with Hull, Wakefield, and Leeds, he was also on the as an assistant in a pretty successful um, Warrington era. Yeah, Smith. Uh, then when David Ferner got sacked at Leeds, so Leeds were pretty much at rock bottom. He took over a staved off relegation, uh, took them to a Challenge Cup final win um, in 2020, and um, and then back to the playoffs last year. Um, and then, yeah, step down after a, a rough start to this year at Leeds. Uh, but yeah, decent record, and has you know come into some pretty, I know, you know, people sort of poo-poo Super League achievements. But um, you know, he hasn't just gone to the the strong clubs, and he's done you know some pretty handy things at clubs that weren't um, in a flash spot. So uh, yeah, uh, interestingly, um, he worked with. James Webster, Andrew Webster's brother at uh, the Wildcats. There, he um, he was yeah. When he stood down, James Webster took over at Wakefield. So interesting. So that that's the missing link. I'm glad you you found that. I didn't know that. So because um, I was going to say James Webster's coaches in the UK, and this is clearly Webby's um, Andrew Webster's appointment, right? Yeah. So yeah. the the first really good thing about that is they're letting him choose his team. That's yeah, really that's good. Positive. Yeah, that's good news and. Um, James Webster will know Richard Agar. Now that you've pointed out that link, it's you know direct that he'll know exactly what kind of duty is. So um, this is Webby getting one of his guys. It makes me wonder if we're going to see in 2024 a team of um, Andrew, James, and Richard yeah. as the as the three. It probably means uh, Justin Morgan's. You know, like there's how many chairs are in that coaching box? Will is is <laughs> yeah. The Mount Smart one looks a bit more crowded than uh, than some of the others in, in Australia. Uh, the Cameron George's um, press release today did say that he'll be working as assistant alongside Stacey and Justin Morgan. So you know, but uh, who knows how that will all pan out? Whether that's going to be the case for 2023 or I yeah. mean, if if you're Morgs and you get told, mate, where not extending you beyond next year because I think he ends next year. You're not moving to New Zealand for the year, are you? Like, really? Good point, yeah. I mean, he's spent a lot of time here already, but he'd be certainly weighing up his options, you'd think, if they're not going to extend him. And it, if it's like, look, if if I don't know this, I'm saying, if if the situation is Andrew Webster doesn't want to extend your morgues, um, but you're welcome to come and do the year, what yeah. are you going to do? You, you're going to go, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so, so but, I, I, I'm just saying watch that space a little bit, I think. Yeah, for sure, yeah. Uh, but all in all, exciting uh, developments for the club and, you know, no, again, none of it is uh, guaranteed success, but no. <laughs> I think they're all positive signs and, you know, it's not so much on reputation. This There just seems... To be a bit more, that um, seems a bit more savvy than some of the the appointments they've made staff wise in the past sort of year or two. Well, I'm really pleased they've sorted it. You know, so yeah. like I'm I'm really encouraged that we've got our coach, we've got our assistants. Um, the new coach has been allowed to go and get one of the assistants he wants. That's all really good. Um, I do feel like. We've just had to be like, okay, who wants to come here? Like, so because because what we're doing, I'll be honest, aside from Richard Agar, maybe, what we're doing here is basically offering everyone a spot above their level to come. Yeah, you know, like Webby's getting a spot above where he would otherwise be to come. McFadden's getting a spot above his level to come. You know, so um, it's savvy, yeah, probably, like hopefully, uh, but it's risky as all hell, you know, and. Um, you know, we're just going to have to accept that that's where we are at the moment. It has worked. It's what's worked for the Warriors in the past. They, you know, that the whole new regime in 2001 with Anderson and, and Mick Watson. Yep. You know, he wasn't a sports administrator. 
Um, and then again with Cleary, he had, you know, had one year as a Premier League coach and one year as a an assistant and, and got the NRL gig and killed it. Um, you know, and, and our worst appointments have been ones like Matt Elliott and Nathan Brown, who came with a big reputation and a shitload of experience and tanked big time. So, yep, um, yep, yeah, I like it. It, it. It's enough to give you hope, isn't it, into next year? Yeah, yeah, just a positive vibe around the place when it has been overall a pretty dismal year. So, um, exciting times and yeah. What do you reckon, Fonz? I've got to. I might go and start packing, mate. I'm that excited. Um, <laughs> Pack, packing for what to head over this way? Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh man, uh, you, you won't you won't need much, will you? It's just, yeah, just a pair of stubbies and a singlet, maybe yeah. a couple of changes of gruts, and be good to go. No, nah, all good, man. Um, do we have any? Actually, you, you sent through an agenda. I don't think we've got through it, have we? We sort of talked a whole bunch of dribble. Um, no, the, we we lineup changes. Did, yeah, so we kind of uh, whipped through a few of those. Obviously, Aiken, oh, yeah, we did. Yeah, Aiken back to the centres is a is a good one. Um, something that we've kind of been looking looking for. Six. Yeah, no, you're right. We did cover it. No, that's that's a wrap, I think. Um, I just want to say in terms of things that we're going to cover or, um, going forward, so I do want to um, drill into pathways a bit more. Like I want to talk about um, in particular what other teams do in their pathways. Like I'm not an expert in pathways, right? I don't work in a pathway. I'm not a high-performance coach or anything, right? So I'm just going to have a look at what the Storm do, have a look at what Newcastle do, have a look at what the Roosters do. And from that, see if I can work out what I reckon we should do and hopefully talk to one or two people in NZ um, involved in the scene who um, can sense check that or um, contribute to that. So I want to do a bit of that um, in the next little while. And um, also as a bit of a random bonus um i'm gonna do a pod with a mate of mine who um has written articles for sydney morning herald about the png bid and the Papua new guinea and pacific um nrl bid and the importance of it um just because it's something i've always been interested in and happen to have this connection so i'm going to drop a pod like that at some point down the line um which will be a bit different to the usual This Warrior's Life um, fair, but it's just me going off on a bit of a frolic of my own, as they say. So just wanted to heads up that. Yeah, the great stuff. Um, yeah, a bit more highbrow than what people come to expect from some of our uh, content. So looking forward to it. I'm sure Brad will be doing a lot of work behind the scenes to um, you know make sure that you've got all the information you need and, um, yeah, 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 some of those. Yeah, send through some notes, Brad, if you're listening, which I know you are. Um, send through some notes by five o'clock Thursday, if you were my mate, just on the just on Pacific diplomacy and uh, you know, pathways in sort of some of the islands. If you could do that, it'd be handy, mate. Uh, yeah. get you. That pulling your weight, bro. But uh, I'll tell you what, yes. I, I'm, I'm going to miss Brad for a beer this weekend. It's a pity you're not both coming out. Uh, I'll tell you what, how good would that be? But it'll happen. Sometime yeah. next year, but it might be too much of a pleasure overload for you, Fonz, if you got to meet us both at the same time. So maybe this is the best way to do it. I'd have to take a week off work, or <laughs> uh, sweet. Oh, I'll see you on uh, Sunday, bro. Can't wait. Thanks to everyone out there listening and enjoy the game Saturday. We should mention we're playing South Sydney, and then <laughs> South Sydney, three o'clock on Saturday, Australian time, five o'clock New Zealand time. Enjoy. Go the Warriors.